Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. everyone and welcome to episode 487 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm fired up to talk about comics because you mentioned that it was the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. And every time you remember that, you make me a happy camper, Joe. That's my New Year's resolution. If New Year's resolutions were a thing and I had one and I believed in them. <laughs> right. But... I will say I am making a much more concerted effort for my 26 weeks of the year to remember to say Lamborghini of comic book podcasts to start the show. Wow. I think you might be on a streak then. I think you're, you're doing well. I think you got them all in 2020. That would necessitate me going back and listening to the episodes of this podcast. Right. right. And that's not my job. That's you, the listener's job to listen to these podcasts. That is true. That is true. My job is to record them and edit them and post them. And my job is to sit in front of the microphone and give stupid hot takes on comics. That's right. I am the play-by-play person of the show. You are the color commentator to bring it all back to wrestling, as I want to do. You're the Uh, gorilla. I'm the Heenan. Right. There you go. (laughs) Will you stop? Highly (laughs) unlikely. Oxidable protuberance. Oh, you know, I know how you like your hot dogs, Joe. Extra bun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, right. it's a light news week, uh, but there is one tried and true thing that we can always rely <laughs> on and discuss. And a bit of follow up from last week. I think it was last week. Might have been the week before. But anyway, right. um, there are no conventions this weekend for real. What? I know. Uh, there are a bunch of digital sales and new freebies to discuss. Uh, we have books from this past week that we discussed, including Guardians of the Galaxy number one and Wonder Twins number 11, what we're looking forward to coming out this week, as well as discussions of both the recent episodes of Doctor Who and Legends of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, Todd, let's get into it, my good man. Uh, since Doomsday Clock has ended, the only other thing that we can rely on is DC Comics that are late. What? I don't think that's true. Yes. Uh, so, we had discussed last week that there was a bunch of things that were going to be late. Um, the issue 5 of Inferior 5 had slipped. Now issue 6 has slipped even further down the schedule than issue 5 has. Uh, The Superman Heroes book, uh, which is supposed to spin out of the ongoing Superman and Action Comics books, that's late. Legion of Superhero is late, because I guess there's some sort of Damian Wayne thing that's going on, so I don't know what's going on to line up those schedules. Uh, But more importantly, the big Flash 750 anniversary issue uh, is only late, only by a week, but still late. Right. Maybe there was a problem at the printer. You don't know. <laughs> if they were all going to be the same late. 
Well, I meant the, the Flash 751 week. That might have been what tripped it up. Oh, I got you. I don't, honestly, all joking aside, I don't see like one week late being like, oh, we didn't get that, you know, last page of art in on time. Like, that seems like to be a mess up somehow to be just one week late. Like, like they might have, you know, had a printing error and like miraculously DC caught it before they sold it, you know. But so they had to go back and whatever, but I don't know. I bet you Marvel has a few late books occasionally. I just, you know, they're just, I like the fact that DC admits it where Marvel just like tries to hide it under new number ones. They're like, don't look over there. Uh, where the late books are. Here's a new number one. So let me look up to see. Well, it's just, you know, I, I'm continuing with uh, inferior five slipping more and more down the charts. Uh, I am less convinced that they are even going to bother soliciting <laughs> the trade of those six issues. And they're just going to completely skip them and uh, ignore that they even existed, which is I, sad for me. Which, well, uh, then if we had any sort of bet on that, if they never solicit it, it can't be late or it can't get canceled. Right. So. So I don't know what where we're at on those. I don't know on your big wall of post-it notes that your kid likes to come in and move when he watches unboxing videos. Um, if we have anything there, uh, no, um, those we didn't. We, like I think the only thing that we had this year was like the unofficial. Like we, uh, and we'll discuss some Marvel late books here in a second. In the mm. interest of fairness, right? But I won the Doomsday Clock thing. You won. Uh, the correct guesses for what we're looking forward to this week, this week for 2019. So do those just negate each other? I think if we ever go out to eat, we have to buy each other's dinner. Okay. So like if we go to IHOP, I have to buy you bottomless pancakes and you have to buy me bottomless pancakes. You know what? Okay. So there are Marvel books that are late, but they fall into two categories. Okay. Okay. And we have discussed them at the very least. Um, if you remember earlier, well, maybe like over the summer, right? Leading into War of the Realms, where Dan Slott's Iron Man was like late and late and late. Mm -hmm. So then they like gave like Jim Zub and Gail Simone and whoever it was, like they're like, we need to get these books out on time, right? Right. So they just had like new people come out and write the, write the issue. So like Marvel's like scrambling trying to get these books to come out. Mm -hmm. So the two biggest culprits for Marvel's late books are... Uh, the X-Man book, not Uncanny X-Man, but X-Man. Uh, those are on, like, a rolling, like, the whole series. Like, the the like the first four issues came out on time, right? Mm -hmm. Five, six, and seven are all just delayed a month. Like, five was supposed to be out early January, now it's the first week of February. Six was February, now it's March. Uh, seven was supposed to be March, now it's April, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just those keep just rolling, rolling down the schedule. The other one that we discussed is on the list of things, and that's the J.J. Abrams, J.J. Abrams Kids Spider-Man book. Right. Where the original solicit date, like I said, the, the series is just never going to finish. Right. Okay. That's on the list. Uh, the issue five was supposed to be out the last week of January. It is currently rescheduled for the middle of April. Now, is five, do we know if five is the final issue or is that a six part? Five <laughs> is allegedly the last issue. Oh, okay. Then that'll come out in April. I but, mean, like, yeah. I'm a little 
torn on this because, and we'll kind of talk about it a little bit later on, is because the current solicitations f- and like the current like diamond listing for the Quantum and Woody book says it's a one of five miniseries. Mm-hmm. But then in this week's previews for March or April or whatever, it says that it's a four issue miniseries. I can't believe comic companies would get their information wrong. Right. So as I mentioned, issue five was supposed to be out at the end of January. That's been pushed to the th- second week of April. Issue four is currently slated for this week. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if it's actually on the diamond list for this le- this week, but let me look. Which book? I'm sorry. Spider-Man number four. Oh, okay. oh no, no. My apologies. Uh, Spider-Man number four is now scheduled for the, uh, the, 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 let me look at the calendar here for the third week of February. Okay. So that's the JJ Abrams kids book. Yes. Okay. So we'll know where we stand in the third week of February on that. Well, uh, as of a month ago, it was still on schedule to be then, but let me double check. Okay. Because again, it's just the interest of fairness here, because, you know, I don't want to be accused of being some sort of shill for uh, DC, for Marvel and allowing things to slip. Now, here's the thing. I will say I was joking and busting you that, that you do it personally, but I do think there is a a bias on certain websites that, like, really likes to mention the DC late books and the granted, you know, doomsday clock was way off course. I, we get that. And Shazam because of that and everything, but you know, there's always going to be late books and we never hear about them from Marvel, but I know constantly that they are from being at the shop. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just that they don't get out of control. And now we do have the one with JJ J. Abrams kid and whatever, but I just feel there's a there's there is a slight bias towards attacking DC for late books when everybody has them. Right. So uh, again, according to Diamond's website, uh, issue four is still on the schedule for February nineteenth. Issue five is still on the schedule for April fifteenth. Right. And as we get closer to that four that that February release. Um, it gets harder and harder to push back, like when you get close, close, because they know in advance if they if they don't have the pages, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They like to let their retailers know so they don't become non-returnable or something like that. I'm not 100 percent sure of the uh, workings behind the scene. I'm gonna add the diamond like order page mm-hmm. for that to my little list of notes here. Right. But like, really, like, there's no real, and I get what you're saying is. There's no egregious big grouping of late books or some book that is like the linchpin mm-hmm. of, you know, uh, the company and the, all the other storylines that just consistently late, you know? Right. Because Jason Aaron hit the mark on his big crossover. Right. Um, the last time that we had it was Civil War 2, right? And Secret Wars slipped, right? Yeah, yeah. And those were two big events that, like, they held everything up. So, I don't know. I know. I'm just, I'm harping on it. But Well, that's the thing. We, we and the other sites and, you know, people at large did rag on mm-hmm. Marvel when uh, Civil War II was late. You know, it's the, and I hate the fact that it's a thing, like, to say that it's a meme. But the fact that, like, it's a meme of this show 
that if something's late, it's because uh, they're adding an extra issue and an even better ending. <laughs> right. Because well, like, Bendis actually said that, that that was the reason why, like, issue three of Civil War Two was going to be late. Because yeah. thought of a better ending and they're adding an extra issue. Right. We have to work in the re- the way to get to that ending. But to me, it's like, to me, it just seems like bullying to pick on the little book that can't <laughs> inferior five. You know what I mean? It's like, right. of course that book's going to be like, there's no reason to push out a book that doesn't sell. You know what I mean? So I don't know. But comics, man, what are you going to do? When did they become a business, Joe? Right. Well, I will say this just as a follow-up. You mentioned Jason Aaron, of course, and I would be remiss not to bring up. We had postulated here what's next for Jason Aaron, you know, all the different stuff that he writes. We're like, boy, Southern Bastards is a good book. Boy, you know, Thor is done and all this other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so from all your favorite writers, you got to sign up for their uh, email lists, you know? Right. Because they'll stooge off their own information to you on their email list, Right. Right, they have non-disclosure contracts on their big company stuff, but they they're salivating to get news out about their independent stuff. Yes, yes. So uh, he said that it's not just the goddamn we'll be seeing more of in 2020. I'm committed to having a much bigger presence with creator-owned work this year than last. So once the goddamn returns and the second arc of Sea of Stars, which he co-writes with Dennis Apple, Dennis. Uh, hopeless won't be far behind then look for more southern bastards along with word of another brand new creator owned project uh this is in addition to the previously announced sturgill simpson inspired sound and fury graphic novel uh it should make for an exciting year for original work um and as of right now i believe jason aaron because he hasn't really lied you know, he hasn't made any, you know, false statements about his books. So I'm hoping that's true. We'll see, you know, in the next couple of previews what we get. Because of all those, I'd like to see the goddamned come back. Yep. Um, sea of Stars, uh, I liked. Uh, yeah. But but Southern Bastards and Goddamned, I want to see Goddam- uh, Southern Bastards more than Goddamned. But bring them both back. But I just, I think it ha- there is a, poly- po- a possibility of it because his cl- his plate seems to be clean at Marvel right now of being, you know, he d- he had Thor and it became the big crossover book. And now it's like, all right, let's, you know, let's hand it off to, you know, the, the carnage stuff and the venom with, uh, with what's his name? Who writes that? Um, my brain's freezing up. Venom. Donny Cates. Donny Cates. So he's, he's, I think they're weaving everything to him to have the big crossover. So if, you know, Jason Aaron's just going to do his Avengers book that flies under the radar, and I don't think he's doing any other ongoings at Marvel right now. He has time to write other stuff. So I'll, I actually kind of believe it, but I'll be cautiously optimistic because if they put a big check in front of him at Marvel, this all might magically go away. You know what I mean? Did I miss Sound and Fury coming out? I don't even know what that is. So, Sound and Fury, he announced it in New York. Mm-hmm. It's through the company Z2 Comics. And it is a countryfied samurai music-inspired original graphic novel. So, I wonder if he just put it out as one big graphic novel? Now, when I do a search on it, Z2 Comics pulls up that they have a deluxe, like, oversized hardcover... Mm-hmm. Limited to a thousand copies, so on and so forth, and it says that it's going to be out in March. Right. What was hmm. the name? Sound of Fury. 
Sound and Fury. The always exciting typing on the show. I know, and I'm looking. I'm going to the one place where you'll know if it exists. Uh, uh, eBay. If I find a individual copy on there, then you know. Now, now, conversely, when I go to Amazon, Amazon has a listing for it coming out in September. Okay. So it's odd that Z2, the publisher, is claiming, oh, my apologies. So it'll ship in the third quarter of 2020, not March of 2020. See, I'd smudged some peanut butter on my screen, mm-hmm. and that hue looked like a zero to me. So I thought that's <laughs> zero three, like March. Right. As opposed to Q3, which is third quarter. False alarm, everybody. Yes. False alarm. So one would assume if that's September, that's going to be in your previews one in like July. Yeah. Yes. So we have that for sure. Put a little pin in that one. And then, uh, you know, Goddamned is coming back. Sea of Stars is coming back. Southern Bastard is coming back. And a, and a, a brand new creator-owned book. Mm-hmm. So if you like Jason Aaron, and the only thing he's doing right now in Marvel is Avengers. Right. Which I'm shocked. I figured we would have heard like a rumbling or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I guess, you know, everybody, other things are selling. You know, sometimes you're not the hot guy anymore, you know? We'll see. Yes. But is that all the news we have? Yeah, that's it. And like I said at the top of the show, there are no conventions this weekend. But, you know, use that time not going to conventions. Uh, to listen to the <laughs> soon to be named network at soon to be named network.com or soon to be named network.tumblr.com, where all the shows in our fancy network of shows, you could find out whenever the latest and greatest episodes of any of those shows are coming out, whether it be this show, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, where Todd discusses his love of professional wrestling as he's wont to do. <laughs> My endless love. <laughs> We also have uh, Wednesday Night War discussing the ongoing battle between AEW Dynamite and World Wrestling Entertainment's NXT television programs at odds with wrestling. Uh, Final Wrestling Place, where they discussed the greatest and worst rivals of Bret the Hitman Hart. Uh, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, and new to the network. I love adding <laughs> new shows. The Wings on Wings podcast, Uh, DJ and Brett of Wednesday Night War, along with Michelle and Doug, who you've heard pop up from time to time mentioned on these shows and Wednesday Night Wars and so forth, are going to watch the television show Wings while eating wings. Mm. I see what the title means now. That's right. Uh, So... DJ uh, just put that up as we were recording this episode. Uh, if you need the RSS feed, you know, I can share with you my text <laughs> file. Uh, but it's over on soontobenamednetwork.com. It's not up on iTunes yet. It's very fresh. It's very new. But definitely check that out. If you're a fan of watch-along shows, if you're a fan of the TV show Wings, uh, if you're a fan of the shows on this network, the people on this network, and all that sort of jazz, You know, I just like adding new shows, new content, new things. And I'm pretty sure they're going to have different sauces each uh, show. So maybe, you know, you can get a review of a wing sauce. I don't know. It's crazy, man. We shall see. I I hear someone's already staked their claim to be a guest on this show. That would be a smart man, I would bet. A genius. A big brain, if you will. 
full of glory and renown you are. <laughs> so also uh, in the show notes uh, with this episode and every episode, we put a bunch of the digital sales that are going on. If you're a digital comic book person or want to check some stuff out for cheap, uh, a couple of the holdovers from last week are still here. That Women of Archie ch- sale, uh, Marvel having a sale on Infinite Gauntlet and all things related to that. Uh, Best of Image uh, 2019 stuff. Uh, DC added a Wonder Woman sale because I think Wonder Woman 750 is out this week. Yes, and we're closing it on Wonder Woman 80s movie, whatever it is. Yes. Uh, man, did did uh, Harley Quinn movie sneak up on us? That's coming out next weekend, man. Yeah, we have to talk about that. But anyway. Yeah, you can talk about it. Uh, <laughs> Dynamite is having a sale on the Red Sonya stuff. Um, IDW is having a sale on Star Wars stuff because they're allowed to. Uh, but most importantly, I would say Valiant is having a sale on Quantum and Woody stuff because there's a new Quantum and Woody number one coming out. There and, is? Uh, that's a good comic book. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say that it's always been a good comic book. Never stop being not a good comic book. You can get, you know, they have it in all sorts of different ways that you can get it. You want to get your single issues. You want to get any books that they appear in, like The Delinquents or or Dead Drop. Uh, you want to get, you know, all the other stuff. But the original classic series by Christopher Priest, you can get it in one big giant collection for 21 bucks. Ooh. And it says the entire series with more than 50 pages of bonus materials and extras. And that would be uh, 22, 23, 24, 25. So 25 issues plus all the bonus stuff for 21 bucks. So less than a buck of issue for maybe one of the most unheralded uh, humor books of, I don't know, the last 20, 30 years. I would agree. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, the two more recent miniseries is, is that Valiant did. Uh, and I say miniseries. I think one went on for, uh, you know, 20-some issues. The other one went on for 12 issues. Either way, good books. Quantum and Woody, great book. Mm-hmm. We talked about the first issue of the new series that comes out this week a couple weeks ago on this very show. So, uh, yeah, you know, go check it out. I heard somebody snatched up all the, all the. I got took claim to all the variant co- uh, covers on Quantum and Woody at our local comic shop, but I can't divulge their name, Joe. Hmm. Did they get the hint fancy goldenish edition as well? No, but I heard they were showing it on eBay and how much it was going for. But I bet you they'll pull the trigger somehow. Mm-hmm. They'll sell off some fancy, I don't know, cards or something and get it. Mm-hmm. So over in the links there as well, of course, is that link to the landing page over at Image where they have a whole bunch of first uh, issues for free. Marvel has been cycling out their uh, freebies as well more often after taking a better part of uh, the end of 2019 off. Maybe they hired somebody new to cultivate this. Sadly, not me. (laughs) Uh, The free books, though that are available are The Torch, number one. Uh, I guess it's an eight-issue miniseries about Jim Hammond, the World War II Human Torch. Right. Uh, the Not the current one, but the prior Morbius, the Living Vampire series from about six or seven years ago. Uh, Gwenpool, the Unbelievable, number one. Yay, I'm a big fan of Gwenpool. 
the writer of this Gwenpool series happens to be the person who is writing the current Quantum and Woody book. So see, it's synergy. Thanks, Marvel, for that help. <laughs> and also included for free is the first issue of Daredevil back from 1964. Don't listen to Todd. He was not a brand new character <laughs> created by dance or dance lot by mark wade in the early 2000s how dare you mistake the creator of daredevil as dance lot when it's mark wade yes so uh like i said all that stuff will be in the show notes uh for you to check out freebies digital sales and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. so let's get into what we read from this past week um, I will start with guard, the new Guardians of the Galaxy number one, uh, written by Al Ewing and art by Juan Cabal. Uh, basically, this is after the events of like all the cosmic events of the past couple of months. The Guardians of the Galaxy are living quietly uh, on Hollow World, Half World, I'm sorry, and you know, being doing the family thing. And in the Kree Empire, uh, where they're having a civil war, apparently that. Uh, these gods are showing up and destroying worlds, and we f- later find out that they're the the Greek pantheon from Earth. So Nova goes to the Guardians who are living the quiet life now and says, I need your help. And basically, uh, Gamora's like, hey, we're happy here. We're a family. We- we've done our bit for, you know, God and country. We just want to stand down. But Phyla Vell, uh, that's the long story there, but she's Captain Marvel's sister, uh, Genus Vell, uh, sister and moon dragon are like, all right, we'll, we'll go with you. And they go, all right. So then after a while, rocket and Peter Quill, star Lord are like, yeah, we're going to sneak off and kind of do it. And they join up with, they think they're going to have a team, but it's really just Marvel boy and Phylavel and moon dragon and Nova. And they're like, well, we still have to figure this out. They get a plan and they decided to go after the Greek gods, city that's flying through space and destroying all this stuff and from there they they hatch a a workable plan to go fight gods maybe a couple other people show up here or there i don't want to spoil too much um but i I enjoyed this book i I like it you know it's al ewing guardians of the galaxy but then a certain character showed up and kind of threw me off i'm like marvel boy hmm i haven't really remembered him his name is novar like, hmm, I give every cosmic character a try. How come I don't know him? And then he's like, call me Marvel Boy. I'm from a par- parallel universe Cree allied with the Utopian faction. Actually, I founded that. I can walk on walls. My fingernails are an explosive compound. My saliva is a psychedelic drug. I have total control over my body. And I and I carry my own laws of physics. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Grant Morrison created this character. <laughs> that's why I don't remember him. Um, and I do like... Like the reaction of Rocket and uh, Quill, they're like, "God, I feel so old with this this kid." And um, I, I'm I'm gonna try it, but hopefully Al Ewing can make a good character out of something Grant Morrison created. But I'm willing to give this book a try. I enjoyed it. Right. So it's not. I want to start off by saying it's not Immortal Hulk. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Al Ewing, Immortal Hulk, different book. Um, so don't come in here with that sort of notion looking for another Immortal Hulk. But as Todd mentioned, it is still a very good book. Uh, continuation of the previous Donny Cates run on Guardians of the Galaxy and pretty much everything that's been laid in the Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, kind of lining things up with the movie versions of the Guardians of the Galaxy that we know and love from those, right? Because mm-hmm. the movie versions of the Guardians of the Galaxy are really the Abnett and Lanning ones. 
And, you know, the Abnett and Landing ones, because of popularity of the movies, became the movie ones by de facto. You know, the more popular thing becomes what you are as opposed to the thing that inspired the more popular thing. Uh, be that as it may. Um, I like the groundwork that was set here. I don't have the aversion to Marvel Boy that you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, every, you know, and listen, I love Guardians of the Galaxy just as much as anybody else, if not more. But every, like, B or C team in the Marvel Universe needs their quirky oddball, whether it be a Gwenpool, whether it be a Quentin Choir, or whether it be a Marvel Boy in this instance, right? Mm-hmm. So the plan that they have to distract the uh, pantheon of Greek gods was fantastic. Uh, I know I've seen Juan Cabal's art elsewhere, but not so much the art, but more so the layout of the art in this book. Especially, like, there was that two-page spread of the maze. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness, that was beautiful. Yep, I did like that. And the way you kind of, even though it's very confusing, it's naturally laid out so your eyes follow the right way. Yes. And that's the hard part with stuff like that. You can make, you could do all that fancy stuff, but if you confuse the reader, it's not worth it. And he nailed it, so... Right, and then you you have the background of this whole thing as the Kree War that's going to be coming on, that's going to be coming to Earth with the Empire series with a Y that starts in April, and it's like, oh, this is such a big deal, we're putting the war on hold. The the Kree Civil War is on hold to deal with this problem. I'm like, okay, at least that they're explaining that, and of course it makes sense because Al Ewing is going to be doing the Empire series. Um, and... I know Todd said there was a character that showed up in Marvel Boy that he was like, Bleh. there was another character that showed up in this book that when he showed up, I was delightfully surprised and upset with myself. I'm like, with the characters involved in this book, of course I, this character I, would show up. I was the same way. I just didn't want to mention too much yes. about it. I was like, no, oh, that's a natural to, to be, you know, walking around here. Right. And again, of course, we're going to get the thing where the rest of the Guardians come to get Star-Lord and uh, a rocket for going off. Uh, we're getting a little bit more of the status quo where, like, Groot just talks now because he's a teenager. Mm-hmm. He doesn't just do I am Groot all the time, which, you know, in the long run is better. You can only get away with I am Groot and then, like, the other characters repeating what he said to explain to us, the listener, the reader old, of the book, what like he's old, saying. The old Han and Chewbacca. Yeah. Uh, and Rocket kind of embracing a little bit more with the fact that, like, yeah, I look like a raccoon. You call me a raccoon. I'm not going to get that upset. Right. The, and it's not a problem. The only thing that I have with this book is when, like, because you didn't read it, Nova's talking about, like, hey, like, the cancer verse showed up again, and I, I died, and Annihilus brought me all ba- brought me back. And I'm like, okay, that's a great backstory. And I did read Anni- Annihilation Conquest or whatever it was, uh, for, for, for this. And I'm like, this makes me think Al Ewing had this backstory for Nova because he wanted him to be broken in this story. And Marvel made the, the recent Annihilation miniseries to do the backstory that probably Al had only fleshed out a little bit, if that makes any sense. Because that was a, that was just a slap together, whatever collection of books. And I'm like, okay, Reading this, I'm not saying it is the way, but that's how I feel is they were like, yeah, let's capitalize on what Al Ewing's doing and and write this kind of the way like Final Crisis had, you know, countdown to Final Crisis. And it was a kind of a mess getting there. But they were like, oh, this book will lead into it. And that's my take on that. 
Yeah, but I don't think you really need to know all that no. that much about that series, you know? Right, no, because he ends up saying it in a couple of sentences, but they're like, oh, that couple of sentences could be, we could sell books of that. That's, you know, yeah, and that's what happened. So, like I said, I thought the new Guardians of the Galaxy was good. Check it out, you know? I'll always read a new Guardians of the Galaxy book. I try it for a while anyway. The other book that we read from this past week is Wonder Twins number 11, uh, written by Mark Russell, art by Stephen Byrne. The penultimate issue, sad in that it went from a six-issue mini to a 12-issue series. I thought this and Dial H were getting picked up for longer runs. Sadly, they are not. There's only one more issue left of Wonder Twins for us after this, at least for the time being. Hopefully, they'll get a new number one sometime over the summer, etc., etc., Mm-hmm. Um, more of the same goodness. This is the continuation of the, uh, the, com- what is it? Commodore. It's not Commodore 64. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like a play on Commodore 64. Right, right. The operating system on the old computer, uh, that they sold out of Philo Math's house, house after they thought he was dead, but they freed him from the Phantom Zone. Um, you know, the way they get around the problem being the Wonder Twins, of course, was really good. Uh, a lot more Lex in this book. Not enough Superman in this book. If I have any complaint about the book, um, not enough Superman this time around. I totally agree. And boy, like, you know, and they were kind of making fun of, like, you know, older, uh, paunchy white men in in this thing with no hair. Thank God that's me because I'm an older white guy with a paunch with long hair. (laughs) So I took no offense to this book. Um, but no, it's, it's funny. Like the, the, the take on it was like that the world isn't ready for change and some people are fighting it and blah, blah, blah. But I'm with you. Uh, Superman needs you. We really need to give Mark Russell a Superman book. That's what I will always take away from wonder twins. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously Bendis kind of has all that locked down. Mm-hmm. But even if you throw him a miniseries or you throw him like a something not so much out of continuity, but out of continuity. A Wonder Comic Superman. <laughs> something. But yeah. I'm with you. I'm all I'm all in on that. Yeah, again, not really much to say at the penultimate issue of this book. If you haven't been reading it by now of us talking about it over the last eleven months. Right. You know, hopefully they do some sort of big collector on all 12 issues and, uh, yeah, definitely get it. And it'll definitely come out. Uh, I feel this one will. I, Joe, I said definitely come out. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We're talking about DC books, you know. Right. It really could be anything. <laughs> Right, so my apologies. It's not Commodore 64, it's Colonel 86 is what it yeah. was. The Very vile, good. viral villainy of Colonel 86 on the cover. Yes. So that's really all we got from books this week. You know, we spent a lot of time in Guardian Galaxy just because of the new jumping on point there. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's get it over to what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them shipped to your home, whether you hope and pray they get collected and that collection actually comes <laughs> out. Be forewarned and be forearmed. Know what's coming out. And you could do so by checking out the poll post every Tuesday and the link that's inside there 
to our local comic book shop that has the list of everything that's coming out, not just what Todd and I are getting. Todd and I are attempting to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week, as we do every year. I'm currently in the lead with one correct guess over Todd. Now, I will have to say that uh, Quantum and Woody contender, but it's eliminated from the running because we already read it. So right. we're not looking forward to it, quote-unquote. Yes. And this is a tough week. But I'm going to take a shot and say the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Thor number two. It is Thor number two. Booyah! I've been enjoying that the long stretch of Thor we're reading now. It, it, one issue um, I'm looking forward to. I did like the whole premise of, of the first one. So, yes, I'm looking at the list of books that you have. And, boy, there are some heavy hitters that would naturally be the number ones on your book, on your list, Joe. Um, but I'm looking at it. Is it criminal number 12, possibly the end of the lawless storyline? No, it's not. What is it? Deadpool the end number one. Oh, okay. Who's doing that? Joe Kelly. Oh, I should have asked. You should have a... asked. I'm like, oh, because uh, uh, my friend James, uh, who's still working on the latest edition of the Mutant Minute, I think it's because those issues are late that he hasn't gotten the latest edition of it to us. Uh, he, whenever we put up the poll post, he always contacts me and says, "Is it this?" And uh, he guessed criminal as well. And it could have been criminal. Could have been that the end of the uh, Jason Aaron's Conan run. Uh, could have been Immortal Hulk. Could have been Thor number two. You know, under on normal weeks, it could have been Quantum and Woody. But I said no. It's Deadpool the end because it's Joe Kelly, and they got a, a cover that has death. You know, Thanos's death on there. And he goes, "Oh, this." He goes, "There's no way Todd will guess it." And I said, "If Todd asks, and we always have that rule, you know, we ask mm -hmm. when there's an oddball on the list. We're like, oh, let me ask, you know." Right. Uh, and I said, if Todd asks what is up with Deadpool, the end number one, and I tell him it's written by Joe Kelly, which I have to be honest. Right. You no, know, I'm not a liar or a scumbag or anything like that. <laughs> you can't go, it's Ryan Reynolds writing it. <laughs> so uh, I go, if Todd asks, he'll get it. But if Todd doesn't ask and just go with his gut, he ain't getting it. My paunch. <laughs> well. You're, you're, you're Todd. Listen, don't say that about yourself. You're a slender reed. That is true. That is true. And I think I'm more of a John than a Ponch. But anyway. So anyway, we'll be talking about those two books and who knows what. Maybe even more. Hopefully, even more. I do have super secret science work on Saturday, so that does give me time to read comic books. It does or doesn't? It does. Oh. And with your jet-setting life, I'm surprised you have any time to read comic books. You ain't kidding, pal. So while you're uh, over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out everything over there, all the past stuff that Todd and I have done, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, the 2017 Smash Sensation, Todd and Joe Have Issues. You can also click on our little store tab there and purchase shirts or stickers or pins of our fancy logo. You can also, from there, go to our Tee Public store. Have you ever wanted a shirt that says Fish Math? Have <laughs> you ever wanted a shirt that said When Did Blank Become a Business? You can get them from our Tee Public store, and that helps us out a little bit. Another way to help us out is, of course, by signing up for our Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you're going to get two bonus shows a month from us. First one for the folks, $5 or under, uh, the Babbling Brooks, where we discuss uh, the first movie in 
Mel Brooks's catalog, The Producers, and we'll be going through his entire catalog from beginning to end. Todd, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, someone made a uh, request to be on the silent movie episode. That's right, I saw, but they'll have to share a microphone with you. Well, there's only one person in this room, Todd. I don't know how they're going <laughs> to, I don't know how that's going to work. But anyway, uh, the $5 up folks are going to get those bonus shows ahead of everyone. Those $5 folks got the first episode of Previewing the Past, where Todd and I go through January 1990s previews catalog uh, that we've discussed a little bit here today about the preview site and what is being solicited and so forth. It's just fun to look back 30 years uh, to see the formative days of the comic book industry, what they were trying to bank their money on, what they were hoping was going to be the next big thing, and getting ready for that bubble to just get to that humongous size where it's so big it'll probably never burst, right? No, it won't. Soap bubbles have tremendous strength. <laughs> That's right, especially if those bubbles have pouches on them. Oh, what's the tensile strength of a pouch bubble? Yes. So uh, another way that you can help us out uh, is making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon click-through at the top of the page. Valentine's Day is coming up. I know some people are celebrating a second anniversary on that date. Other people are just celebrating <laughs> it because they love to be lovers. And I would love for you to make your purchase for your lover through our Amazon click-through. <laughs> I'm sure all of these gifts that were purchased in the last seven days are Valentine's Day items, like the classic illustrated storybook versions of E.T., The Extraterrestrial, and Back to the Future. Both of uh, those say love. That's right. Well, I'm going to save the one that does for, well, may or may not so say love for last. Somebody purchased the Ultimate Collection, Volume 1 of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Maybe they I, heard us talking about it on uh, Previewing the Past and were inspired. I feel like that is a possibility. But anyway, go ahead. Very, very good possibility. If that was you and you were inspired by the Patreon show, let us know. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody also purchased the Caseology Parallax case for their Samsung Galaxy S10e. I don't know. This J7 works just fine. A 10E. I don't know. You guys seem like you just like to live high on the hog. I don't know. You're Blackberry, I'll tell you. And I'm assuming the same person also purchased a Captain America shield pop socket for their phone. Oh. That sounds delightful. Yes, and because of my intro, I'm going to leave an item off the list. Oh, boy. <laughs> hey, Todd, did we have any... Uh... Did we have any art attacks this week? We did not have any art attacks. How can you have art attacks with no conventions, Joe? Well, you can have art attacks with no conventions if you, listener of the show, have purchased something online from an artist, or you yourself are a burgeoning artist and would like to share your works with us and the listeners of the show. Just tweet that work out <laughs> at Todd's Art Attack, and we'll be sure to share it with the rest of the world. Mm. I'm sorry, I'm just looking over the show notes to see some things, and I just realized what you passed on. But mm -hmm. anyway. <laughs> you follow me? You heard me? Uh, yep, I'm I'm mopping what you're spilling. Okay. So uh, I think that's the end of the main show. Um, we are going to get into some TV discussion about both Doctor Who and Legends of Tomorrow. So if you did not watch those, don't want them spoiled on you. Or, you know, if you're one of the folks that don't care... Um, we bid you adieu. Thanks for listening. Uh, episode 487 of Longbox Heroes. And uh, we'll take a moment to uh, get into those TV shows. Mm -hmm. So, Todd, which one would you like to begin with? 
No, I'm going to leave this to you on this one because oh, they're okay. both, they are two time traveling shows. And I honestly don't want to, because I have things in my head, but go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Things that I, I have a, I'm bored with a nail in it to help you get those things in your head out. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> well, you're going to have a bigger board with a nail in it and a bigger board with a nail in it until you have a board with, with a nail in it so big it destroys us all, Joe. So let's talk about Legend of Tomorrow first then. Okay. Because I know you have a thing. Well, I have stuff. But anyway. Uh, So Legend of Tomorrow uh, deals with a documentary being done on the Legends because they're superstars and celebrities because of the whole Earth mix-up thing from Crisis on Infinite Earths. And of course, we did get a couple members of the Legends go out and the Legends that remain seem to be having a much more fun time uh, with this documentary and their newfound celebrity. Gary is now John Constantine's apprentice as they are going out on a routine exorcism that doesn't end up being as routine as one would think. Mm-hmm. And it would seem as though uh, history's greatest villains are becoming more unkillable and returning more than one would think. And that seems to be a problem, possibly, that the Legends are going to have to deal with for the majority of this season. Starting with Rasputin. Rasputin, Joe. So they're in Russia with some of the best Russian accents I've ever heard since maybe Lana. I honestly was like, oh my god, this is Lana of Tomorrow instead of Legends of Tomorrow. I was cracking up with, with Rasputin's character. He played him a tad over the top, Joe. Well, I, I, I'm I going to guess that they probably told the actor, because there's not a lot of stock footage or interviews or whatever it is from Rasputin. There's stuff from books. They probably said, just Alan Moore it up as best you can. Boy, and I think he captured the essence, to tell you the truth. Yes. Now, I will say this. Uh, you know, one of the things that we have come to love from the Legends of Tomorrow, because, of course, whenever they have to travel to some or other land or realm or whatever it is, they always have to have period-specific garb and possibly period-specific hairstyles. I don't want to say that they may have gotten a little lean on the budgets, mm-hmm. uh, but a lot less people going down in costume. And it seemed as though the only hair appliance this episode was Rasputin's fantastic mustache, which was totally real. <laughs> that was a mustache for for the ages, Joe. Yep. Oh, but I, I was I think this like all the episodes we watch, we've seen puppets of tomorrow. We've seen you know lots of good stuff on legends. This episode might be them legending at peak legend because of the whole. <laughs> gimmick of it's the office documentary whatever the timing on all their jokes this episode were killing it just killing it like stuff like oh my god like well that's the time quick uh it, it's not that bad and like nate come running in like oh my god that was a seven we're all gonna die kind of a thing and i'm like this is just perfect Two, my favorite thing through this whole episode was the adams adam cam which that angle made his head look, he looked like a giant Funko Pop. And I was just cracking up as he was trying to work in, trying out 
all these catchphrases like Ambigify and it's time to uh, smash the ad. I was like, whatever they were, they were all cracking me up. I was like, there was nothing bad about this episode. Everything clicked. And I'm hoping that they've just even gave, given up more. And that's this is the kind of stuff we're going to get for the rest of the season. And I, I also would be remiss to mention that spoilers, you know, we're in TV talk and spoiler discussion. I'm glad that just on a, you know, basic over the air television show that airs at eight o'clock on a Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever day the show airs, that we could just explode a human body and everyone's mm-hmm. just cool with it. Oh, when Adam went inside him and he's like, where am I? What's going on? Am I in a bog that smells like pierogies? <laughs> Rasputin ate a lot of pierogies in his life. They probably got that from a book, Joe. Oh, crying. But I did like the fact that Sarah had a, like, like the Sarah was coming, you know, down on Ollie have been killed in, you know, Christ on Infinite Earth. And she's like, that's really the last, like, you don't watch, like, a lot of the other shows, but she's lost her father, her sister, Ollie. It's like literally everybody I grew up with. Is, is dead and gone. And I'm like, you know what? That was nice to, in a world where like, you know, comic book deaths happen all the time. It's like, yeah, like she should be messed up. And I like the way that like people like were like her girlfriend wasn't trying to, to, to help her. It's like everybody ignore it. And then like, that's not what she needed it, to me. I just like that aspect of the episode. I gotcha. Mm-hmm. So do you think, What's her face is gone now that Mick has given over the writing stuff to her? Or do you think she'll be back around on the ship? Hmm. Because it seemed like that was a goodbye to me. Let me look. Oh, you're going to see how many episodes she's in? Yeah, I'm just going to look. Oh, look at you cheating. I, I have a feeling that she's not gone forever. Right. Uh, even though, according to IMDb, she is. Oh, then she's gone. Right. Uh, um, and then at the end of the episode, we get the fact that they're they're rebooting the computer system, and Nate realized that Zari is missing, but he doesn't know who she is. Mm-hmm. So we have to. It's the hunt for Zari, with her giving like the holographic message, like Nate Haywood, you're my only hope. And he's like, play that back. Hmm. I don't know if they were riffing on some Star Wars there. I'm not sure. <laughs> Nate had to go to the Tashi station and pick up some power converters. <laughs> yep. And uh, like the like I always say, when anybody asks me what Star Wars character I am, I'm like R5-D4 because I got a bad motivator. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you certainly do. But yeah, Legend of Tomorrow was back. It uh, was in their full form. No small hats. Not tons of bad wigs, but the mad mustache kind of helped, uh, you know, Make it feel pure, you know? The mad mustache. Yes. But. So, uh, I guess, uh, you know, since I'm the expert on this, we'll talk about Doctor Who uh, from Go this ahead. past week. Go ahead. Uh, you know, there's like a lady who's having a birthday or something, mm-hmm. and she's a tour guide or something. Mm-hmm. And then a bunch of rhino people come up, and there's a bunch of mistaken identities. And then Merlin from Arrow shows up for some reason, and then I just got all confused. Were you really confused? No. Okay. No. Uh, I, 
I, I, I got, like, I obviously, I didn't get it from the ship or the voice or anything else like that. But once I saw him, I'm like, hey, that's uh, Captain Harkness. I, I'm aware of him as a Doctor Who. Right. So I'm going to start with that. When uh, <laughs> when Graham got, like, you know, teleported, scooped, whatever, to the ship. And he's like, and he's like, where am I? And the voice comes out. I'm like, that's not. And then, like, he says another line. I'm like, that could be. And then he says another line. And as a fan, I'm like, that's him. And then he appears. Joe, I watched that on Monday night because I got subjugated to something on a Sunday night. And I, I'm glad it wasn't spoiled because I, I didn't look. I didn't see anything. And there's a lot of other stuff in this that's interesting that I'm glad I didn't get spoiled. But my neighbors probably got mad at me because I marked out so hard seeing Jack. It has been the last time Jack Harkness has been Captain Jack. Sorry, put some respect on it, Todd. The last time he's been on Doctor Who was 2010. And he did play Captain Jack again in the last season of Torchwood Miracle Day. But that was 2011. So we haven't seen Jack in nine years. So I lost my my bleeding mind when he came out. And I think they didn't spoil it. It wasn't spoiled because he disappears at the end of the episode. And they were lucky enough to just be on set, a close set with like the three actors and probably like two cameramen and the director. And it's like, you're all have non-disclosure contracts. So if it gets out, we know it was one of you seven and we're going to figure <laughs> it out. And it worked. Do you know what I mean? Like there's no way as me as a doctor who fan should have not heard about captain Jack coming back to doctor who, but they pulled it off and I'm very happy about that. Yeah. So like, right off there, nostalgia puts this episode at a, at a 14 on a scale of one to 10 for me. And then he starts saying things like Cybermen and the lone Cybermen and the whole thing of the, uh, what do you call it? The uh, mistaken identity gimmick where he thinks that Graham is the doctor uh, in the latest regeneration. And then the other companions, friends, they're not companions, come on board. And he goes, oh, you said it was a she, so it must be you. And then it's not. And I did like, obviously, not a longtime Doctor Who fan like you, but it was very... Uh, easy, very digestible, very understandable to a new Doctor Who fan like myself that, of course, they have to keep the Doctor and Captain Jack Harkness away from each other because you don't give that away in the first appearance. Right, he has you, information she needs, and you, you you don't want her to have it because it's too early in the season for her to have it. Right. But, and so that's, the fact like the B, that's like the C story. Oh, but that's the A story in my heart, Joe. My okay. bacon-clogged heart. Um, so... Like that, though, and I do like the fact that he's very sexual. So, like, when he finds out that the doctor's a woman now and he's like, oh, yeah, you're like, oh, he's only had one thing on his mind because he wanted to sleep with the doctor when he was Christopher Eccleston. And he wanted to sleep with the doctor when he was David Tennant. And now he wants to sleep, you know, with Jodie Whittaker. So it's like I'm I'm fine with that. But I know you're also a big fan of like on, on the side thing is you love the rhino people, the Jadoon. There's a Jadoon platoon upon the moon was the first time they appeared. So that's what the 10th doctor had said. So I love Jody Whitaker saying like the Jadoon platoon near the moon and then near a lagoon. It all rhymes, Joe. So it works. And I'll say this and I'm guessing this is not the first time that the Jadoon have shown up. No, they've been around, yes. I like the special effects on them. They were very well done. They are an upgrade 
from and they were still good but there's a lot of like the mouth moving like the electron like they got a budget for the the jadoon and uh i'm glad they used the the vocal uh translator because the jadoon only talk in words that end in o so it's like joe bo do go fo no and they were doing that a little bit and i'm like oh i hope they just use uh they use subtitles because i love when the, the jadoon talk but then they end up using the translator and i'm like and also because they talk like that, Jadoon have no poetry. I just thought that would be a fact you'd like to know. What? That's too much Jadoon information for me. Mm-hmm. Yes. But so we find out that uh there's a woman on the planet. We think they're the Jadoon are there for somebody and we think it's her boyfriend. Right. But, but go ahead. And there, go oh, so there was a lot of good Red herrings in this Fake episode. Yep. Uh, you get the D story of the guy at the coffee shop who very much has a crush on Ruth. Yes. And you get the whole thing of the interplay between the guy at the coffee shop and Ruth's boyfriend. And you think, oh, maybe this will go somewhere. Maybe these are characters that are going to show up more often. Nope, the guy at the coffee shop just gets disintegrated. Yep, because he broke the law for the Jadoon. That's what right. happens. And they've shown in the past that you don't any minor infraction with the Jadoon is, you know, termination. So Right, and his name is All Ears Allen. And I thought he was a, in, in a very short amount of time, they made him a very likable and sympathetic character. So kudos to the writing on this episode as well. And all I could say is I can it resonates with me to have a dossier on a guy uh for that's a bad dossier for that's dating a woman that you like i don't know why i can just resonate with that i'm not saying i've ever done it i don't have dossiers all around my house i have them in one corner um so i completely get it i just thought that was funny too so uh, as mentioned ruth's boyfriend he's yet another red herring that he's the one with something to hide but it turns out todd due to some Wibbly wobbly timebly wimbly mind wiping. He's nah. Ruth's companion. Yep, they say companion. I was like, clue. But go ahead. And then it turns out that Ruth is a different incarnation of the doctor from a different timeline in the past. Maybe. Where That's- there are more Time Lords, more Gallifreyans. And Gallifrey itself has not been decimated. Right. To say this now, first of all, it wasn't wibbly wobbly timey wimey. They used a chameleon arc, just so you know. Well, arch, I'm listen. sorry. Chame- which has been used in the past in one of the greatest Doctor Who episodes ever with uh, with uh, David Tennant, old, you know, the purple man, as you know him. So they used that, and I like that. That was a lot of like old stuff because the writer for the last season just just ignored a lot of old stuff. This one, he just poured on nostalgia. So when the chameleon arc arch showed up, I was like, cool beans, but we're not 100% sure where this is because they're saying that the, this, this Ruth is actually the doctor and the doctor's the doctor. They both show up and they're like, well, I don't remember you. So you, you're not in my past. And the other one's saying, well, I don't remember you. So you're not in my past. We don't remember each other, but we're showing up as the same person. Um, there are like a few reasons earlier in the season, they, they threw out multiple, uh, universes and earths and stuff like that. So she could possibly be a, a different universe doctor who came to ours or the doctor went to theirs. 
There's also the possibility of her being a regeneration between two and three where we never saw it. That's like a weird rumor that's going around. Um, but I don't think it's that because she didn't recognize what a sonic screwdriver was. And the second doctor of the sonic screwdriver, I know this is all going over your head. And the third possibility is that she's the Valyard from an episode where a version of the doctor before the last version, that's all they ever said is kind of villainy and puts the doctor on trial. So I'm like, there's all these possibilities or they're going to sneak something that everything we knew was a lie. And there were doctors before the first doctor. I don't know. It's all very interesting. I'm all open to it. But as I was talking with somebody on Twitter, you better stick the landing. You better stick the landing or people are going to be upset. A lot of what you said doesn't make a lick of sense to me. Right. But here's what does. I said it feels as though this season is going to be like you get your one episode up front where they like set up this thing, a bunch of filler episodes, and then maybe like the last two episodes of the season are going to be stuff that moves on what was set up in the first episode. Well, here we are, four episodes in, and big things are happening. Whether I understand it or not, I understand that what happened in this episode was many big things. Right. And um, the, I would, I love this episode. I thought it was great. This is probably the best episode of the current Doctor's run. Like, it just crushes everything that's come before and come after. And there's a little scene, Joe, that I like that I just want to get your take on. Like, she ends up, Ruth, we're going to call Ruth that Doctor. You know what I mean? So we don't get confused. Oh, we're going to call her Dr. Ruth? Dr. Ruth, that's a good, there we go. So Dr. Ruth, you know, has the gun. And our doctor is like, we never use guns. She's like, I know, I know, I know. So she hands over the gun and she warns her, don't pull the trigger. It would be wrong. And she ends up, you know, the Gallifreyan that's that's chasing them dies. And our doctor goes... That was wrong. She's like, I gave her a chance. I gave her a chance. I told her not to pull the trigger. And we're looking at Dr. Ruth in a bad way, the same way the doctor. That's the same thing the doctor did to Tim Shaw in the first, in the first episode of her, like, first episode. She's like, I have the teleport. And she's like, what'd you do? I, I, I jury rigged it, so it will, will hurt you. But I warned you not to do it, and it was your own doing, you know. And it's cool to see that from another side and the doctor doesn't like it. And it's just, it's just interesting to me having seen that. But the one thing, like I say, is Dr. Ruth having a gun. None of the doctors use a gun. So there's something there. If, if there's more with that, then she's not the real doctor because doctors, that's just against their credo. But anyway, I'm sorry. I'm all over the place. I'm excited about this. No, listen, I saw you tweeting about it. Like it was a real thing. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I have to watch that because, you know, again, I had a busy weekend. Uh, but I watched it and I really enjoyed it. I, I I feel you could have skipped the two previous episodes. And if you just watched the the season opener in this episode and like, well, it was actually there was two season episodes starting things. So if you just watch those three episodes you got like a really interesting sci-fi, whatever TV show, movie, everything. I thought it was great. Right. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I honestly did. In all honesty, sitting here, I'm like, how is Joe going to take this in being a new, you know, viewer to this, like all this I'm getting, I'm getting the deep cuts, the Easter eggs, but also like the fun stuff. And I'm like, Hmm. I'm like, and 
does he even remember Jack? Because I did show him those two episodes where Jack first appears. So I'm like, oh, and then when you actually said, oh, this is, I, I know this guy, it's Jack. I'm like, well, you know what? It's actually sticking. Doctor Who information is sticking with Joe, and I'm proud that my work here is is going well. Todd, just like you like to let on that you know less about professional wrestling than you actually do, because mm-hmm. you do know a lot, I like to let on that I know a little less about Doctor Who than I actually do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I said, e- even if I wasn't watching this stuff, I think during the time that it was happening... Because Captain Jack Harkness was such a thing, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of broke out of whatever the Doctor Who bubble was a little bit, you know? And let me just tell you something, Joe. I know, like, you never will because you have a list of things to watch yeah. that, you know, that you never, you know, put the Matrix on there because, you know, when you get around, that's that that's your mark. It's like, after I watch all these, I'll watch the Matrix. But, and I'm betting you, the, if the fancy gentleman's listening to this right now, he did three seasons in, in England of Torchwood. He went off and did his own show. Like, you know, that was tied into Doctor Who. And he did one in America called Miracle Day, which you know, you don't have to watch. You watch three episodes of that, and that's okay. But there was a Miracle, or uh, there was a, a, the season three was only five episodes, and they showed him over five nights. And this was what I used a lot of people to get their foot wet in Doctor Who. And literally, Adam was like, he's like, one night he was just, I'm watching the the third season of Doctor Who. It's only or, uh, Torchwood. It's only five episodes. Uh, he's like, where are the rest of the, where are the Doctor Who episodes? And I'm like, all right, and that's how I I went back. Season three of Torchwood with Jack, Captain Jack, is one of the greatest pieces of sci-fi ever made. And I know you probably won't, but anybody out there who's listening to the sound of my voice and wants to see something really good, and like Joe said with this episode, it's something that you can easily grasp without knowing anything. That uh, Children of Earth, I think it was called, the, the season three. Go watch it. It's it's Jack at peak Jack, and just heartbreaking through a lot of it. Oh my god, I'm so excited about this. <laughs> All right, perfect opportunity for us to put a bow on the show, unless mm-hmm. there's something else. Nope, that's it. I just I get overly excited. Yes. So thanks everyone for listening to episode 487 of Long Box Heroes. Uh, for Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening. And we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop! You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini. (laughs) of Podcast Networks.